This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Out of Acts 10, very interesting uh, portion of scripture here about a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Now, this was, he was not a Christian at the time of the reading of this scripture. So I want you to keep this in mind. He was a Roman soldier. He was a Roman centurion, a commander. Now, he, he feared God, but he did not have a relationship with God by believing on Jesus Christ. I want you to keep that in mind. Listen to this. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now I want you to keep in mind those two things. He gave and he prayed. About the ninth hour of the day, he he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. When he observed him and was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your giving have come up for a memorial before God. Do you notice something? This man did two things. He gave. He prayed. See, we think, oh, well, you know, he's not saved. God's not paying any attention to his prayers. Well, I beg to differ. I mean, God hadn't sent an angel in answer to my prayer yet. How about you? Not one that I could see. <laughs> but I want you to notice he did two things. Why did, this, why did God move upon this man, even though he wasn't a saved man, as we would say, a Christian man? Because he did two things as an act of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to... For he that cometh to God must believe that he... And that he is a... Of those who diligently seek him. By giving and by prayer. See, we don't think about that as acts of faith. But just what we're about to do, what we've just done, prayed, and what we're about to do, give of our tithes and offerings. You know what it is? It's an act of faith. And every act of faith opens a doorway into our life for God to move. God is, listen, God is looking for an opportunity to move in your life. He wants to do something bigger, greater, deeper than he's ever done before in your life. All he's looking for is an open door. Why did, of all the people that God could have sent, you know, if you read on down here, he says, send to Joppa for one Peter who will come and tell you words whereby you can be saved. Why did God move upon this man of, of all the, you know, the, the Gentiles that he could move upon? Because this man opened a door. He opened a way for God to move in his life. Why do we endeavor to encourage you and exhort you to, you know, in, in your prayer life and in giving and other things that we do that utilize our faith? It opens the avenue for God. I don't know about you, but I want God to move in my life in a, in a bigger way. I'm thankful for, for over four decades of how God's proved himself faithful in my life. But I want God to do something more and fresh and new and bigger. How about you? You know what it's going to do? It means that we have to give God an opportunity. Every time you pray and believe, you're giving God an opportunity to move. Every time you give of yourself, of course we're giving money, but you know what? It's giving of yourself because you know what? You gave a part of yourself to earn that, didn't you? Your time. The one thing that's the most precious commodity in all the planet is time. You know, they talk about real estate. Well, you know, they're not making any more real estate. Well, they're not making any more time either. You can't go back and be 20 again. Amen. Amen. And I'm making any more of that in your life. You know, we've moved on by that. So you've given up that. But I want you to understand this. When you give, it's not just to pay some bills and all. It's to give an opportunity to God to work in your life. Look at the tremendous. If you go on and read this, you probably know the story. I mean, when they came, 
I mean, Peter barely got started when the Holy Ghost just fell on the whole. I mean, he brought his family in, his servants in, uh, uh, soldiers that was under him. I mean, he had that house packed out. That told you something about the man's faith right there, didn't he? He said, we're all here. He said, you tell us. We're ready. I mean, that, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's really what he was saying. Man, we're, and Peter hardly got it out of his mouth. Before, I mean, they were so hungry, and there was such a faith there. The Holy Ghost fell, it said it fell on them all. Whew. Wouldn't that be something if we were so hungry at Passion Church that as soon as the, the worship team, I mean, they hit that first lick on the guitar or the drums, and we began to speak, praise God, bam. The Holy Ghost fell. Wouldn't that be something? Listen, as you give, we make different opportunities, ways for you to give. You can pass the envelopes, guys. If you're a visitor today, we invite you. If you'd like to give, we're glad that you can give too. You say, well, I'm not sure if I even believe on this Jesus. Well, Cornelius didn't either. But here's the thing, if you're visiting this morning, we welcome you, we're glad that you're here. A uh, little red and white information card to be passed out. Uh, if you take one of those, take just a moment, fill it out, and put it in the offering plate so that we can have uh, a way to just kind of reach out to you and say thank you for being here and worshiping with us. Also, in your giving, uh, just, to, just a reminder, uh, some people like to do this. If you want to use your credit card to give, you can do that. You can go online. MyPassion.Church, there's a pull down there. You can give online. A lot, we have a lot of people that do that, that like to do that. So whatever's most convenient, we're giving you an opportunity. But whichever method you use, the most important thing is this, that we realize that what we're doing this morning, we're about to do, is an act of faith that pleases God and is making an avenue for Him to work in my life. He'll work in your finances. He'll work in your job. God's, listen, God's good at promoting. If you don't believe that, just ask Joseph. I mean, man, he, Joseph, man, he got some promotion, didn't he? He was a faithful man. He was a hard worker. But you know what? God promoted him, didn't he? Look at Jacob. Man, you, th you think Jacob, here's Jacob. He's just a guy, we would call him a hired hand in today's vernacular. Because he kept his father-in-law's sheep. Well, He's a hired hand. Isn't that right? He's working for wages. And yet it wasn't long before the blessing of God came on that man because he was a man of faith that he had his own ranch. He had his own stuff. So here's the thing. We're going to pray, but as you give, listen, you release your faith this morning that you're, you're giving to promote God's kingdom, you're giving to honor God, but also you're making an avenue for God to work in your life. And He wants to, church. He wants to. He wants to. Listen, God could make everybody on the planet a trillionaire today and it wouldn't strain Him a lick. You're not going, listen, you're not going to put a strain on God's resources. <laughs> I'd love for about 10 of y'all to be a millionaire. Or maybe 20 of y'all. Wouldn't bother me a bit. I'd, 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 I'd dance with you. I'd be happy as I could be for you. I'd be thrilled for you. But you know, maybe we'll start right here. I'd be thrilled. You know, maybe you need a job. I'll be, I'm believing with you as you give this morning that, that God will provide a job for you. God to provide an avenue of income. God to give you a promotion. God to give you a raise. We'll start there and work up to the million. But, here, I, but here's the thing. You know, just as I was waking up this morning, this, you know, this thought came to me. It says, you know, God says, you know, He says, what other people think about you cannot affect you at all. Only what you think about yourself. Only what you think about yourself. I, 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 I know this because I grew up dirt poor. You, you've heard some of my stories, you know. We didn't have a bath. I had a path growing up. There's a little house on the prairie, you know. 
man, when the wind blew, it didn't matter where you was inside or outside the house, you knew it. Because you could feel it. It come through that old frame house. Man, it was one of those houses, you know, built old farm house, frame house built up off the ground this high. The wind blew under it and threw it and around it and everything else. But I know you can get a poverty mentality that says you're poor because you deserve to be poor. You don't deserve, you know, you don't feel like you deserve to prosper. I'm telling you the truth. I had to overcome this thing. I know what I'm talking about. God began to bless you and you almost feel guilty about it. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? But listen, you're a child of the King. You're God's creation. And you are not going to bankrupt heaven no matter how big your demand. Oh, hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great to know you could write a check of any size on your bank account and not have to sweat it? <laughs> Just right around. Listen, you say, Pastor, that sounds far-fetched. Only because you think so. Let's think like God thinks. Amen. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. To, to just express our, our love and our appreciation for you with our giving. Lord, we know you don't need our money. But God, it's more than just dollars. It's a part of us. It, it's our talents that you gave us. It's our time that you gave us. It's our testimony that we demonstrated on the job by being faithful and working hard. It represents all of that. And we give it back to you because we love you and we honor you and we thank you for your goodness in our life. And Father, as we sow our seed, we thank you that it opens the avenue. You said it would open the windows of heaven. That's an avenue into our life that you would pour out your blessing upon us until there's not room enough to receive it. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. We throw open the window this morning with our faith and our giving in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody know what we're talking about? Just, boy, that was weak. That, that's as excited as you about it, huh? I'm telling you, if you make the decision to follow Jesus, I mean really follow Him, you're in for an adventure. Man, uh, there was a book title. John, about John Lake.
called Adventures in God. Man, I wish I'd have thought that'd make a great title. And you know what? But you know, each one of us should be writing a book in, with that same title concerning God in our lives as we follow Him. Amen? He'll take you to some extraordinary places to do some extraordinary things, to see Him work in an extraordinary way. And sometimes it'll cost you. Uh-oh. But it always pays more than it costs. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, somebody says, boy, I sure would like to have a nice car, but I just don't want to pay for it. Okay. <laughs> I sure would like to have a nice house, but I don't want to have to pay for it. Okay. Name me one thing that you get that you don't have to pay for. That's of any value, I mean. And the, and the things that are most precious to you, this is, you pay for it in one way or another, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's your talents, you, in some way. And yet it seems like in the modern day church world, we've got the idea that, you know, to be a Christian is just, you know, come to church. You know, it's gotten to be where if church is not everything I think it should be, I'm out of here. It's got to be convenient. It's got to meet my needs. It's got to be exciting. It's got to be compelling. The preacher's got to preach good every week. He can't have an off day. I mean, everything's got to be right. The Holy Ghost has got to move. I mean, we've got to have all nine gifts operating. We've got to have... I can't walk across a parking lot. I don't want to have to get wet. We can't meet at AUM. You know, the early church, they didn't even have a church building. You know, one of the, the biggest churches in the world right now, they meet out in the fields under cover of darkness in China. And they are so fired up. They're so excited about Jesus. They're so excited about the adventure they're on with Him. Even though at times it costs them, they see God move. So I want, I want to talk about growing through discipleship, becoming disciples. And you know, sometimes I just have to, you know, I have to shake off some stuff because you know what? It's so easy here in America. We get comfortable. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just preaching to myself, maybe. But you get comfortable and you've got to just kind of shake yourself and say, hey man, you're getting too comfortable here. You need to shake, shake a few things here. You need to do some stuff. This, this is why sometimes God calls us, you know, to deny ourselves. Maybe it's, maybe it's through fasting sometimes. You deny that flesh sometimes because it's so easy to get comfortable. Listen, there's nothing wrong with the blessings of God. But listen, I don't want the blessing of God to become a stumbling block to my following Him. Amen? This is why, you know... A lot of things that we do, when we give of our time, you know what it tells me? It's not all about me. When I give of my finances, you know what it tells me? It's not all about me. When I give of myself, you know what it tells me? It's not all about me. But see, a lot of people come to church and it's just all about them. I, you know, I want the music to bless me. I want the prayer to be about me. I want everything to be about me. And if, it's, you know, and if me's not happy, me's out of here. You know what Misa's saying? <laughs> Not good English, but you know what I mean. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. So we're going to look at these early disciples. And we're going to try to learn some things from them. Because remember we said last week, Jesus' invitation is this, come follow me. That's Jesus' invitation to every one of us. Come follow me. And when he told these men this, they weren't born again men. Now, they, they, obviously, they were Jews. They were under the Abrahamic covenant, that, that covenant that God had made with the, the nation of Israel, and they were, they were living in it and following it, of course. But Jesus told these men, He said, come follow me. Now, I want to read this out of uh, Matthew 4. Listen to this. And Jesus, walking by the sea, verse 18, of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. In other words, these men were on the job, weren't they? They were out working to support their families. They were, just got up like every other morning. They went out to the boat. They got the nets. They did the stuff. Are you listening? Just a routine day. 
Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. That still amazes me. Immediately. They responded immediately. Wow. Listen, you, you want to see God use your life? Learn to respond immediately to the Spirit of God. And it starts right here where Jesus said, come follow me. What is Christianity about? Oh, it's about keeping the Ten Commandments, making sure you do this, don't do that, don't do this. You know, don't dip, chew, or hang out with anybody who do. Why do we boil Christianity down to a set of rules and doctrines and regulations and all of that kind of thing? And You know, here's the, here's the bottom line. What is Christianity? It's following Jesus. It's following Him. He said, come. He, these guys, He didn't give them a bunch of theology. He just said, come follow me. That's the same thing that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, is saying to you and I as modern day believers. He's saying to you and I, just follow me. Didn't, didn't Paul write to the Romans and he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. What's the definition of a Christian? Somebody that's being led by the Spirit that's following Jesus. We're going to talk about this in, in the course of the study, but I think we have a whole lot of admirers and a few followers. First thing, if we're going to follow Him, we've got to hear Jesus speaking. Notice these men heard something, didn't they? So we could say this, that a disciple is a person of faith. It took faith to do what these men did. They left their livelihood. This is the way they, took, they provided for their families. I mean, you know, God can't get a whole lot of Christians to just get up and come to church on Sunday, let alone leave their livelihood. He walked up Calvary. We can't walk across a parking lot, especially if there's drizzling rain. Do you mind if I speak plainly? You know I'm going to anyway. I do it because I love you. See, I, I want to make sure you know the truth. It's, it's real easy. I'm not talking about, you know, we all have to, sometimes you have to work. Sometimes you're, you're sick. Sometimes you have the donkey, and, you know, the, the mule gets in the ditch. I understand that. I'm talking about habitually, though. I'm talking about attitudinally. We're like, man, we're, you know, the least thing, that's it. But first thing a disciple has to be is a person of faith. They heard him and they just responded in faith. They left their livelihood to follow this itinerant preacher. Wow. Don't you know the news? If they'd been news in those days, they'd have had a field day with that one, wouldn't they? This charlatan, Jesus of Nazareth, causing people to leave their livelihoods and forsake their families. It must be a cult. Come on. They hear his voice and respond to in faith. That's what they did. And that's what you and I do. If, you don't, if you're not, not willing to respond to the, to the drawing, to the wooing, to the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life in faith, you'll never be a disciple. You'll never be a disciple. Do you know that this is the one thing that Jesus said at the last? He said, he said, come follow me. And then he said, go into all the world. You who are following me, you go into all the world and you preach the gospel. And also you make disciples who will follow like you're following. So when we look at the health of the church, what can we say? If there are not many disciples, there must not be many disciples that are making disciples. And that's really what God's called us to do. He didn't call us to have a fabulous celebration service on Sunday. He didn't call us to have a fabulous children's church. Oh, that's fine. Don't misunderstand me. If the end of that is making disciples. But sometimes, you know, we, we make the means the thing. Especially here in America. 
Everything's got to be just right for me. You got to set the mood just right. Everything's got to be just right. Then, maybe, if I feel like it, and if it's not too hard, and the weather's not too bad, I might come. But don't ask me to do nothing, give nothing, say nothing. Boy, I'm going to tell you, boy, lock the doors. It is a heart response versus a head response. Look over in Hebrews 11. We're talking about being disciples. Listen, I'd rather you get mad at me and later on repent than me just make you feel good. And you go on about your way. Amen? Because when I stand before the Lord, I want to make sure that I, 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 you know, what I knew, I told you. Amen. (laughs) You know, because if I don't tell you, then that's going to be on me. Hebrews 11. We're going to read a couple of verses here. You know them, but we're going to read them anyway. 11.6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what what did these first disciples, what was their first response when he said, come follow me? It was a faith response, wasn't it? But see, he says, without faith, you can't please God. Faith will always get you in motion. Are you listening? Faith is never passive. If you believe in prayer, guess what you're going to do? If you believe in giving, guess what you're going to do? If you believe in following Jesus, guess what you're going to do? (laughs) Faith is always active. Faith will get you up and going. Faith will get you up and praying. Faith will get you up and moving. Are you listening? That's what Christianity, you know, it's about action. It's about doing something. It's about following the Lord Jesus Christ. You follow Him wherever it is. You follow Him, you know, in in your job, in your career, in your vocation, in your calling, as a husband, as a wife, as a student, as a son, as a daughter. Every, every aspect of our life has a, an intersection of faith that has to do with it. I do what I do. Why? Because I believe. Are you listening? And then down in verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When he was called to go out to a place where he would, he, which he would receive as inherit, an inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. Well, man, ain't no good American going to do that. <laughs> Pastor, I want to know where we're going with this thing. What's your 10-year plan you got here? Come on. Yeah, we want to know what you're doing. I, you know, once I know what you're doing, you can spell it all out to me and give me the blueprint and give me every step. Then I might get involved. Abraham went out not knowing. You know, when you first start out, you know what? There's a whole lot of not knowing. When you change direction, when you're following the cloud and not the crowd, there will be a season of not knowing. That's what discipleship was all about. You think these guys, when they, they, they responded to Jesus, I'm telling you, I, I know how this thing works. About the, about the next day, you know, they're all excited about following him. About the next day, it hits them. Wait a minute. What have I done? I left my work. How, what, what about my family? How am I going to provide for them? Uh-oh. I know I've been there. Man, I... You wake up in a foreign nation, and your family's depending on you, and you ain't got no means of income except God, and you go, oh, man, I sure was excited when I got on the plane at that end, but not quite so excited when I got off on this end. Because what? The reality hits your head, but we don't follow God out of our head. We follow God by faith, don't we? We take a step. We're talking about what does it mean to be a disciple? The first thing is it takes faith. Because I'm telling you what, if you ain't got faith, you will never get in motion when he says, come follow me. And listen, if we can't follow God in the little things, he will never ask you to follow him in the big thing. Are you listening? 
was listening to a brother the other day who was talking about, you know, uh, in a message he was talking about uh, when he was pastoring a church many years ago. This was during the Depression. God spoke to him to give $10 uh, to this family. Now, see, that don't sound like a whole lot now, but you've got to remember a day's wage in those days was a dollar a day. So that was like two weeks' pay. And he said, all I had was $12. And man, he said, I argued, you know, in my head, well, God, uh, God, man, I got a family too. I only got two. It's going to leave me with $2 left, God. Only going to leave me with $2 left. He said, yeah, he said, but he said, but listen, he said, but you got two kids. He's got five kids. And he ain't got a, a, another meeting to go to after this. You give him the $10. He, so eventually he did. He obeyed God. Later on in the process of time, some months later, that God spoke to him, uh, you know, a woman that he was ministering to, bedfast, dying of cancer. I mean, her last breath. God says, go stand at the foot of the bed and tell that woman, rise up. Jesus makes you whole. And he said, I did, God did, and she did. <laughs> but here's the thing. But here's the thing. See, we all get excited about that. But he, he was on his way home. From, from that, you know, rejoicing, God told him, said, if you hadn't obeyed me with the $10, I couldn't have used you with that. See, we want God to use us in the big way. That's, I think that's admirable. That's good. But I'm going to tell you something, church. If we can't obey with the $10, he's not going to give us the million-dollar thing. It just don't work that way. I said it don't work that way. <clears throat> so first of all, they have to hear there has to be a person of faith. Second of all, <clears throat> they stop their present course to adjust to the new course. They were fishermen. This is what they did for a livelihood. These were grown men. They'd been fishing and doing this for quite some time because they worked with their papa. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was father and son fishermen. And they were doing this. But as soon as Jesus said, come follow me, what did they do? <clears throat> they stopped. They stopped their present course and moved on a new course. Now, I'm going to tell you something. See, that sounds good when you read it here. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great what they did? Wow. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful? That's an amazing story. Wow. But let me ask you, have you stopped the old direction to go in the new direction that God has for you. I've done it more than once. Are you listening? God says, okay, we're going to go here, get rid of all your stuff. But God, I just believed you for this stuff. Hey, you know that stuff you believe for? God, I just, play, I just got this brand new Mazda RX-7. I just believed you for it. you telling me you better. No, y'all know, know what I'm talking about. We have to stop. See, it may not be anything that dramatic with you, but still it could be something. And he says, come follow me. Sometimes you're going to have to stop a present course and change for a new course. See, just like here with Passion Church, God says, okay, sell this building. Now we're meeting here, and you know, maybe you, just like me, you thought, man, we'll be here a couple of weeks, and man, we'll be in the new place. I wish. Somebody says, why aren't we there yet? I said, you talked to the wrong person. That's the same thing I'm telling God. Why aren't we there yet? What the Israelites say when they came out of Egypt. Everybody was happy. Woohoo! Man, God showed them Egyptians, didn't he? Woohoo! Party, party, party. Man, look at this rope of diamonds that I got from that lady. It used to beat me all the time. Man, everybody's partying. About a month into the journey with the scorpions eating manna day and night, but manna bread in the morning. Manicotti for lunch. Manna burgers at night. Manna, manna, manna. It was hot. It was dusty. 
Get, anybody ever gone on a vacation trip uh, at least several hours with, with kids, small kids? Wasn't that happy? Man, my kids are, are we there yet? <laughs> Your kids do that? When we getting there, Dad? How long is this going to take? I thought we'd be there by now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Boy, doesn't that make the journey just, didn't that just make you just enjoy every minute of that trip? You were just like, this is wonderful. But yet we, we, we get on a journey with God and we, we start along the way and He said, come follow me and we're all happy. Ooh, God spoke. God told us. Ah, here we go. And then we get on the way and it doesn't happen as quick as we think we should. And we start being like those kids in the back seat. God, when are we going to get there? Are we there yet? You must have made a wrong turn. I'm going to meddling now, haven't I? We stop our present course. Look over in Isaiah 55 real quickly. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, laughter gets the medicine down easier what Mary Poppins said anyway. <clears throat> Isaiah 55. We'll look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. The word ways there means a road, a course of life, or a mode of action. See, God speaks something to us. We respond in faith to follow Him. And then that's when the real test begins. <clears throat> I was excited when the Lord came by and, and He condescended to speak to me. To be involved with Him about anything. What a privilege. I mean, who am I that he would want me to involve with anything he did? I, I mean, if I was me, I wouldn't have invited me. But he invited me to follow him, to go with him on this journey. What a blessing. What an awesome, awesome blessing. What, what a great thing God has honored us that he would say, come follow me. I want you to be with me. That's a... That's an awesome, I still can't, it's hard to wrap my head around that. Now I know you're wonderful and you did him a, a, a favor. But he didn't get no favors when he got me. So I'm still, sometimes I still, I'm, I'm still amazed that God invited me on this journey. But he said, come follow me. So we're all excited. But then we start following him. And, it, and, and it's dusty and it's sweaty and I'm hot and I'm thirsty and I'm hungry. And, you know, and people around me are griping and I'm not happy about it. And I wish we was there yesterday. Then we find out where your faith is. Then we find out, oh, I love you, Lord, for 15 minutes. On Sunday morning in an air-conditioned building with a padded seat, if it don't go too long. I just made up my own song. Now you know why I don't sing. It's a road, it's a course. He said, my ways are not your ways. He said, my thoughts. Thoughts means an intention, a plan, a purpose, or an imagination. So he said, my ways are not, he said, your ways are not my ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. So you, you know what? As we follow him as a disciple, we're going to have to what? The only way you're going to be happy as a following Jesus is to understand and get to know his ways and what his thoughts is, and you come into agreement with him, then the way becomes easy. And the yoke becomes light. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And all of a sudden, God begins to adjust your vision. Are you listening? See, when you're griping, whining, and complaining, you're looking at your feet. Man, oh man, oh man. Dust, rock, scorpion, scorpion. 
man, my feet hurt, they're sore. But when you begin to, to understand God's ways and God's thoughts about how he's leading you as his child, then all of a sudden your vision gets expanded. Remember Abraham? We read Abraham went out not knowing. But if you go, you know, you fast forward to Jesus' day, and Jesus told the Pharisees of his day, he said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. You know why he was able to put Isaac up on the altar? Because he saw beyond the present. That's why God says, I like this boy Abraham. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. You know, God loves us all. I want to be liked as well as loved. And there's some people you love, but you don't necessarily like. Do you know what I mean by that? We're going to love them. We're going to do anything we need to. We're going to do for them. But you don't always like to be around them, do you? I want God not only to love me, I want Him to like having me around. I don't want to be underfoot in the wrong way. I want to be underfoot in the right way. Amen? I want to be walking with Him. I want to be walking in His ways. I want to be able to see beyond my present circumstance, no matter how difficult they may be at the moment, and for the hope set before me, for the vision set before me, for the call set before me. I can weather any storm. I can endure any test. I can bear any hardship. Man, I'm telling somebody, don't shout, I'm going to. Listen, when I do this, I, I mean, I think about 40 years of following God. I think about 40 years, what He's brought me through. God said, go, I went. Boy, I sure am glad. Did I do it all perfect? By no means, but I went. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be a wet water walker than somebody jockeying in the boat for the best seat. You know, we all talk about, oh, poor Peter. He sank, yeah, but he also walked. If you ain't willing to sink a little bit, you ain't never going to walk. So we have to stop. We have to adjust to a new plan for living in our lives. What does that mean? We live now what? By love, by faith, by grace, by obedience. This is what we're talking about is a disciple. And I do it, you know, there's only two times you need to do it. When it's convenient and when it's not. The rest of the time is yours. Because a disciple of convenience is not a true disciple. Jesus said, he said, if they've treated the master this way, he said, they're going to treat the follower the same way. Isn't that right? All right, they stopped. They heard. They stopped their present course. They dropped their old self-sufficient ways for God's grace. They were used to what? Taking care of themselves. When he found them, what were they doing? They were fishing. They were providing for themselves. But all of a sudden, now when they responded to the call of God, they had to let go of their old self-sufficient ways and what? And follow his ways. Now see, when everything's going wonderful, it's easy. It's easy. Listen, if Christianity, if being a Christian was as easy as some people make it out to be, then everybody would be doing it. See, just because something is the best doesn't mean it's the easiest. It is the best way. It is the only way. But Jesus said, he made this comparison. He said, if you're going to be a disciple and follow me, he said, the gate is narrow. It is narrow. You know, when you go through a narrow gate, you might have to take off some stuff. And some stuff. And listen, not, and it's a lot of the stuff that God says, you know, just like I told you before. I mean, when God says give up some stuff, I, it's stuff that, hey, God, I prayed and believed you for this. You, you gave me this. Now you're saying give it up. Oh, that can't be God. You better look at Abraham. Isn't that right? He gave him Isaac. You think about it. He believed for 25 years for that boy. Then God says, I want him. Get behind me. 
Devil? Oh, it's a great quiet in here. <clears throat> Look over here. I want to read you a, I want to read a scripture verse <clears throat> from the message, Romans 12, 2. When we're going we're gonna to have to give up our old ways and embrace change, that's going to mean that what? There's got to be a transformation in us. And you know in Romans 12, you, you know the scripture over there. He said in verse 1, he said, he said, Therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Yes. What, 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 now what, what comes to mind when you think about sacrifice? Box seats at the Atlanta Falcons game <laughs> with catered food. Is that what you think about when you hear the word sacrifice? <laughs> Ooh, staying at the Ritz-Carlton, Buckhead, having room service. Yeah. No, that's not what you think about when you think of sacrifice, is it? He said, present your body as a living sacrifice. That means sometimes, you know what? You're going to have to tell your body, we ain't doing that. You know, man, this morning with the time change, you know, it was darker than it normally is. Man, it was raining. The bed was so comfortable and warm. Uh, I know none of y'all felt that way. <clears throat> man, I was just like, oh man. Talk about a day made to sleep in. Man, this has got sleep in written all over it. Anybody, can I get a witness? Oh boy. I'm serious. I'm, I didn't want to get up this morning at 6 o'clock and pray. I'm talking about my, my body, my flesh. It didn't want to get up at 6 o'clock and pray this morning. It wanted to stay in bed and sleep some more. Man, that rain, boy, I sleep so. I love the sound of rain. When rain's coming down, man, you know, you can hear it just outside the window. It's on the roof, man. You're just like, oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. But you know what? You have to do something with your body, don't you? You have to say, you know what? All right, flesh, we're getting up. Yeah, but I don't want to. I know, but we're getting up anyhow. And you know, it's an amazing thing. When I tell my body to get up and I act on it, you know what it does? It gets up. And once I get moving, that body gets moving, and that body says, okay, I guess we're going to do this, it gets right in there with me. Isn't that right? You ever notice it really talks to you that way, especially on Sundays? Now, when you got to go to work, maybe a little bit, but you know, hey, man, I like to eat, so I'm getting up. <laughs> but you know what? I like to please God, too. Don't you? So I'm going to get up. I'm going to tell that flesh, listen, you just shut up. We're we we getting up and doing it. So he said that, but after that, he talked about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me read this real quickly. My time's running out. Romans 12, 2, I want to read it from the message. Listen to this. He said, don't become so well-adjusted to, to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Now, this is a disciple. This is a discipleship process. He didn't say, you know, if you feel like it. Because I can guarantee you, most of the time, you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to feel like reading your Bible. You're not going to feel like praying. You're not going to feel like, man, you start writing out that tithe, man, and you're thinking, boy, what I could do with this. Man, oh, man, I could pay off them credit cards. I could save some money. I could put this in my 401K. I could pay this off on my student loan. Hello? Y'all looking so holy out there. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. If we're going to be a disciple, we're going to have to present our bodies and we're going to have to what? Get our minds transformed so that what? His ways become my ways. His thoughts become my thoughts. Isn't that right? That's how... And it's... It, listen, like I said last week, discipleship... 
starts in a moment of decision, but it's a lifetime of process. These men, they weren't perfect followers of Jesus. You go on and read over there later on, they were all jockeying about, you know, who was going to be top dog in Jesus' organization. I mean, some of them even got their mama involved. Lord of mercy. Get mama involved, you know, serious. Isn't that right? I mean, they, they had contentions. I mean, one minute, you know, Peter's saying something amazing. The next minute, Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. They sound familiar. <laughs> I mean, you know, one minute, man, we're just, we got it, we're doing it great. And the next minute, pfft, not so much. It's a process, but it has to start with a decision. Follow a daily decision of letting go of our old life and laying hold of the new one. Colossians 3. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. If you switch that around. See, when we first start out, we've trained ourselves that our thoughts are all about earthly things. About my body, my feelings, what, I, what, you know, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, whether I can pay the bills, what, what I'm going to do. Whether, you know, there's a layoff at work. I wonder if it's going to be me. That's, when we first come to the Lord, that's, all, that's how we thought. Because that's the way we, were, we thought in the natural, isn't it? You know, survival mode. But God says, if you'll learn His ways, it's not about how to survive. It's how you're going to thrive. Because He said, I come that you might have abundant life. So I'm not in survival mode anymore. I'm in thriving mode. I'm in abundant life mode as what? I set my affection not on things on the earth, but things above. Amen? For you died. Is that news? Is that news to you? You died. Say, I died. died. Did you know that? You died. That's what he says here. You died. You died. A dead person is not too demanding. Are they? They uh, A dead dead person don't put too many demands on us, do, do they? As a matter of fact, they don't put any. He said, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So it comes down to this. We have to ask ourselves, am I an admirer of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? I was reading the other day, uh, Gandhi, how many of you know? Who Gandhi was the, the great liberator of India, led the, you know, the nonviolent movement many, many years ago to throw off British empirical rule, and India became an independent nation. You know, and he was known as a, 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 you know, a great spiritual leader in everything. You know, he was Hindu, but he was known as a great spiritual leader. But you know, they found a letter that he wrote in his own handwriting that they were going to auction off for $50,000 because it's the only letter where he mentions Jesus in it. And see, in this letter, he tells how he's a great admirer of Jesus and of his teachings and of his character and all of those things. But he didn't believe in Jesus as Savior. He was a Hindu who was a great admirer of Jesus. A lot of people are admirers of Jesus. It doesn't take a whole lot to be an admirer of Jesus. But it takes something to be a follower of Jesus. It takes faith. It takes a decision. And it takes a transformed mind. Admirers and followers, it changes a mindset that is about forgetting and pursuing. If you are going to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have to have the mindset of an NFL quarterback. Anybody follow football? You know they say that the best NFL quarterbacks have a short memory. I mean, even the best quarterbacks can throw an interception. The other team, they turn the ball over. The other team gets the ball. You know what? They, the next time they go out and get the ball, you know what they've got to forget? That that ever happened. 
Otherwise, it will control what they're doing right now and they're liable to repeat it. Are you listening? It will make them fearful. It will make them hesitant. As followers of Jesus, let me tell you this, both from the Scriptures and by experience, I can tell you this, you're going to have to have a short memory. Because you're not going to get it all just right every time. Are you listening? But you know what you do? How many of you know if you happen to be, we're believing that's never going to happen to you, but if you happen to be walking uh, you know, across the parking lot and you slip and fell in a mud puddle, would you just stay there? Well, I'm just waiting on Jesus to give me a sign. <laughs> Lord, help me out of this mud hole. I'm believing you, Lord. It sure is cold in this water, Lord. Man, I think I'm getting soaked to the bone, Lord. No, you know what you'd do? You'd get up, wouldn't you? Duh. See, we, sometimes we over-spiritualize things. If you're following God, what do you do? Okay, you, you, you mess up. You blow it. You, you know, you let your body lead you this time or whatever. You don't just throw in the towel and say, that's it. I knew it. I knew. You know, that's what the devil will tell you. See there, you're never going to be able to do it. You knew you couldn't do this. You knew you were a bum. You knew you were weak. I could have told you this was going to happen. You ever had those thoughts come at you? Oh, yes. Well, that ain't the Holy Ghost. That is the devil. And you know what you do? You get back up. You, if you need to, if it's something you need to, you ask God to forgive you, you brush yourself off, and you say, here we go. Here you go. You know, if I was traveling from here to, to upstate New York, and I got about the, the Carolina-Virginia line, and I had a flat tire, you know, I wouldn't bring my truck all the way back to Montgomery to get the tire changed and then start over. But yet sometimes if when we make this decision, we're going to be a disciple and we're following Jesus and we, we, we miss it, we, we blow it, we miss it, we think we've got to start all over. No, you just get right back up, get forgiveness and start out right where you left off. You don't keep starting over, starting over, starting over. If, listen, if that's the way it works, then none of us are going to get there. Because it's one of these things, you know, I've t- I told you about this before. I'm going. I can see you. Coming to see you. I'm going to get there one of these days. I guarantee you, I know I am. I can see him. All right. Some action points real quickly. Ask yourself privately this question. Are you an admirer or a follower of Jesus? Am I an admirer or am I a follower? What's a follower of Jesus? We do what Jesus said. What, 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 what do you know? What, what, what does the Holy Spirit reveal to you? What do, what do you know about Jesus? What do you know from the scriptures that you've learned to this point? He said, follow me. I'm committed to following him. When it's convenient and when it's not. Thank you for that weak amen, but I'll take it. <laughs> Listen. If, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't be up here giving it to you this strong. Now, the decision is yours. I'm not going to follow around behind you and see if you're doing it. That's not my job anyway. That's, that's God's job. But it is my job to tell you the truth. Isn't that right? And we want to follow Him. Forget about past decisions and failures behind you. You've got to. You've got to have, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to have a short memory. Put it under the blood and forget it. Move on. What did Paul say? I won't read it over there in Philippians 3. You know it. He said, he said I, he, Paul the apostle himself who saw Jesus, who was caught up to the third heaven. Jesus appeared to him in visions. He got what he wrote in the Bible to us by direct revelation from Jesus. He said, I haven't arrived yet. Well, probably you haven't either then. But he said, there's one thing I do. He said, forgetting everything that was behind me. He said, I'm stretching, pressing, stretching forth to what's before me. And then finally, make a daily decision to pursue Jesus and His will. To pursue Jesus and His will.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.